Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Pellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. The words tropical fish always seems to evoke this vision of super colorful, exotic looking animals with bright patterns and flashes of iridescent splendor. You know, there's something amazing about that imagery and it spawned thousands of hobby careers over the past century. Look, I like bright, colorful fishes as much as the next guy. Yet, why do I really love small grayish brown fishes? And I guess a better question is, why does nature make so many small, different gray-brown fishes anyway? It's interesting, right? But why do I covet fishes or even corals that most people find rather uninteresting? Why do I get excited about wild guppies, marble hatchet fishes, chocolate gourmies, and those kinds of dull knife fishes way more than I do about almost any other fishes? If I look at it objectively, I've always kind of favored small gray-brown fishes, or subtly colored ones at least. Like, why do I like these small gray-brown fishes so much? Why do I covet fishes that most people find rather uninteresting? I I don't know. I mean, lately I'm obsessed with uh, Elacocyrex pulcher, which is kind of a brown and gray camo-colored fish. Hardly exciting in the traditional context, you know? Yet, I'm totally into that fish. Like, what's up with that? Do I not get out enough or something? Am I too cool to jump on the bandwagon of sexy designer betas or African cichlids? No, I, I love them, I do. Yet they're not the particular subjects of my adoration. So why do I covet seemingly boring colored fishes so much? Well, could it be simply that after a lifetime in the hobby, I've learned to be honest with myself about what I like? Perhaps I'm more into the overall aspects of a fish than I am about the color alone. I mean, behavior, habits, environmental digs, the, the whole picture is what makes a fish sexy to me. I mean, Alecocarex pulker is an inhabitant of Amazon leaf litter beds, and as such, it's particularly fascinating to me. Look, I love Farlowella catfishes because they blend in so well with the elements found in their natural habitats, you know, leaves, branches, and their namesake, twigs. And they look super cool when you display them in an aquarium that has those elements in it. I find, I don't know, what you call chromatically challenged fishes fascinating for so many other reasons. And apparently so does the rest of the hobby. I mean, when you think about it, glass catfish are as colorless as a fish can be, right? Yet they're an all-time favorite. And they go with just about any, you know, aquatic color scheme if you're so inclined, correct? Not too long ago, I was in my local fish store when the shipment arrived. You know, as usual, I kind of hung around watching the crew open up the boxes to see what was swimming. You know, designer angels... Uh, an L264 Pleco. No, no, no. This time it was just boxes of wild cardinal tetras, the bread and butter, ultra common staples of the aquarium hobby. And common to me seems like such an unfortunate label to ascribe to any fish, doesn't it? I was admiring, you know, these really beautiful tetras swimming around in their bags and considering what brought them here. I mean, when you think about it, just a few days earlier, these little guys were happily swimming somewhere in their native Amazonia, thinking only of where their next meal was coming from and how to avoid becoming menu items for somebody. 
And then all of a sudden they're unceremoniously scooped up, placed in a bag and whisked off to parts unknown. What were they thinking now? I was wondering. I mean, do fishes think about stuff like that? But, you know, who would end up buying them? What size aquarium would they spend the rest of their lives in? Would they be comfortable, well-fed, or would they slowly waste away and die? I mean, do we ever think about this? Was I being overly sentimental or stupidly judgmental? I mean, likely. <laughs> I mean, all they were probably thinking about was when their next meal was coming. Okay, that was weird. That was a little meta, but that was bigger picture. But there's even a bigger picture thing on my mind, though. For some reason, I was contemplating, just for a second, how easy it is to take for granted what's become a common fish to us. And what makes them common? Why do they have this moniker? Uh, because they're popular? Well, sure. Cardinal tetras are popular in the aquarium hobby for a reason. They're beautiful. They're not trendy. Yet they're interesting creatures. They're precious regardless of the price tag, and they're worthy of our respect and admiration. They need not be expensive and flashy to be worthy of our admiration, do they? Cardinals just happen to be super colorful and flashy despite the ubiquitous nature that they have in the aquarium trade. And, of course, being super colorful isn't the prerequisite for being beautiful to hobbyists, is it? No, it isn't. To further compound my theory, I needed only to go a few aisles over to admire the very gray Tanganyika lamp eyes that they received not too long ago. They were just sitting there. Now, upon initial observation, you might think that these grayish little Rift Lake killifish are about as unexciting as a fish can get. A poster child for freshwater haters. But wait a minute. Have you ever seen one? Probably not that often. Probably because they're rather, well, bland and collectors usually just toss them back. But man, that's what's so cool about them. They're different. They're subtle. Imagine how awesome they look as contrasting players in a tank full of, you know, crazy colorful African cichlids. And... It's about context, and oftentimes the so-called dull fishes turn out to be pretty spectacular once they settle in, once their environmental needs are met. Again, it's about context as much as anything else. I think that there's some cool reasons to love the more subtly colored fishes as primary players in your botanical-style aquarium. The first and foremost is that they don't compete with the colors of the botanicals. Rather, they complement them. Having more subtle colored fishes is quite engaging, actually. I receive a lot of questions from hobbyists who set up a cool botanical style aquarium and they want to know what fish or fishes to feature in it. And one of my favorite aquarium ideas is to feature some of those so-called common fishes. You know, the ones which we may take for granted, the ones that aren't considered super colorful in these crazy aquariums, you know, like head and tail light tetras, um, fishes like Pristella, fishes that are maybe somewhat colorful, but not like, oh my God, knock yourself out colorful. They just look right. Yeah. And it doesn't have to stop at the garden variety specimens of these common fishes. How about looking for truly gorgeous specimens of these so-called common fishes? You know, ones that are have really outrageous colors for their species and perfect finish and the most commonly available fishes. I think that's cool. They're out there and they are rare too. You know why? Because there's a small subculture of hardcore fish geeks that's looking for them too. You'll have to go the extra mile competing with other people to find them. That extra effort's necessary. You might even have to do the same thing that you do when you stumble on that, you know, rare cichlid in your dealer's display tank. You know, you have to beg the employee for one. All fish geeks know how to do that. It's like fish keeping 101. And that's like actually a good idea for another column, isn't it? I mean, how funny is it to imagine a serious collector of fish just pleading with the, you know, post-pubescent kid behind the counter at the local fish store for just a few of that blue and red dwarf garmy that he spied in that little nano tank at the checkout counter. It takes humility and a little groveling at times. 
However, that's the price of admission when you play the rare common game. You have to be willing to put it all on the table, and these deals don't always come cheap or easy. If you're a reefer, you do it for an ultimate utter chaos palathoa or uh, a home wrecker acro or one of those dumb names that we love to come up with. And why would you expect this type of deal to go down any differently? I know at least one local reefer here in LA that had to swap a sizable frag of his prized Acropora millipora from the Solomon Islands for a chunk of common yet amazing yellow and sort of chocolate brown calistrea, also known as the trumpet coral. It's a true story. And each side thought they got the better end of the deal too. I know because I heard it from both of them. I thought that was really funny. The beauty of this hobby is that there really is room for all sorts of fishes and inverts, just like there's room for all sorts of ideas and hobbyists. It seems like pretty much every animal out there gets at least some love from somebody in the hobby. And admit it, you've occasionally stared longingly at a brownish fish of indeterminate origin in your dealer's all fish in this tank $2 section and wondered, right? You've contemplated purchasing that gray brown, you know, brown blenny with the really cute eyes before, right? You may have even purchased a Corydoras SP, you know, where they just say the kind that are generic looking and maybe it's something rare, you don't know. Speaking of common fishes and unexpected collections, one thing I have noticed about many of the most excellent tanks that I visited around the world is that these aquariums almost always contain a fish or two that makes you think, wow, what is that? Inevitably, the owner points out that it was just a common cichlid, for example, which took on an aberrant or just a particularly nice color pattern. And it was basically just the sharp eye and the dedication of the hobbyist that brought that common fish into the fold. And the real beauty of that sort of thing is that the hobbyist put his or her prejudices aside about how common it was and simply acquired the fish because he or she liked the way it looked, not because it'll make him cool at the next, you know, aquarium club tank tour or whatever. It's that sort of mental step that takes a hobbyist to the next level, in my opinion. That willingness to walk your own path, to find the prevailing trends of the time. That's a sign of a true visionary, a very rare hobbyist, really. So next time you're at that sort of mental crossroads, when you're wondering what you're thinking of making the star of your next botanical-style aquarium, don't automatically assume that you need to feature some rare or unusual species to make your tank pop. Sometimes, many times actually, it's the common fish, the one that we all seem to take for granted, that can make it really special. Be sure to keep an eye peeled and your mind open when you're searching for fishes and corals and plants because awesome things happen when you appreciate an animal for what it truly is. That otherwise common or chromatically challenged fish just might turn out to be your fave. I know because it's happened to me many, many times. Sometimes the fish just wins you over with the behaviors, the shape, or its incredible background story. You just never know. Sometimes the best fish isn't the brightest. Stay observant. Stay dedicated. Stay honest. Stay curious. Stay diligent. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Melman from Tenon Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to spending more time with you on the next installment of The Tint.